0: Hey, this is Jose Galison of No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. You can also find me on just about every podcatcher. Uh, today, my guest is going to be referred to as Schroeder. That's not his real name, but that's what we're calling him for the purposes of this. Um, and you'll find out why throughout this. Today, Schroeder actually hit me up today. He saw my pinned tweet, saw that I'm I'm still technically active duty military. I, uh, I think I have two months left before my day of separation. I've been in for 11 years, but he saw I had a pinned tweet that was in reference to that, and he... He hit me up, and he had a story that I felt like was compelling that needed to be told. But it was one of those things that was like I probably ought to stay anonymous for it. And uh, yeah, because I mean, I'm um this is gonna be a little bit different than what I normally do because I feel like I, there's normally a way more lighthearted, jokey vibe. I mean, not that we won't have that because me, me and him both being military, there's like a jovial nature of like you know you can talk about fucked up shit, but then still laugh about it. But it's still gonna be a little bit somber. I would think I'm gonna assume it's probably gonna be a little bit more somber in some ways as well. So, uh, yeah, um, fucking, yeah, as always, though, give me money patreon.com, just no way jose2020, or right, and the fed.app. I'm no way jose2020 as well on there. Uh, you guys, uh, go hit up top lobster, go fucking topsoft, top, toplobster.com to go get his t shirts and shit. He's the motherfucking shit. Um, yeah, like I said, we're gonna get into Schroeder. I'm really interested to see how this goes because it's just a really interesting topic. Like I said, a little bit out of my wheelhouse usually, but I mean, I, c- I kind of want to touch on too that like I'm not a combat veteran, so like, and I, I try to. A lot of people have misconceptions that aren't in the military, or, like what it is to be in the military, and that like the vast majority is not combat, and I'm, that's me. I'm one of them. I've been in for 11 years. I've been a mechanic. So, but this guy has done some shit. So, and we're gonna talk about that. And it's I don't know. I kind of want to bring on someone who has that that perspective, you know. So we'll, we'll get into it. What's up, dude? Howdy. What's going on? Howdy. <laughs> hey, so you, uh, go ahead and uh, I want you to go ahead and uh, give yourself a quick little introduction to the audience. Let them know who you are, what you're about. Just a quick one. Obviously, a lot of this episode is going to go into a lot of your life stories. So you don't have to go spill it too much. But it's a quick one. Obviously, we know you're going anonymous here, so we're not asking for specific details. But just a, give a rough idea of who you are and what you're about.
1: All righty. So, uh, hello everybody, uh, my name is Schroeder, uh, obviously that's my alias here, uh, I am in the United States Army, I joined back in 2018, so fairly quote-unquote new, you know, young army and all that, you know, post-revoke of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, um, I am an air traffic controller, I uh, 15 Quebec, that's, uh, that's my MOS, um, I was deployed in January 2019. I was part of the Torch team because they needed air traffic controllers immediately. <laughs> um, so I was deployed out with uh, Task Force Iron Eagle. They split us up with our battalions. Um, I was first with Task Force Apocalypse. It's uh, so a third bat of the 501st. And then next I was with Task Force Heavy Cab, which was uh, 3-6 Cavalry. Um for the latter half of my deployment, the last five months, I was a door gunner. I was assigned door gunner duty because there weren't enough crew chiefs going around because too many of them either got sent home for various reasons or they were too busy fixing all the shot up aircraft. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's me.
0: Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah, I was worried you're going to just go ahead and go right to the store. I was like, shit. It's going to be like Uh-oh. a 15 minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, but all right, cool. You got what I was getting at. You, you, you left it at a perfect spot. I kind of wanted to br- bring it back a little bit, though. And like, what made you want to join the military? Like, what were your specific, like, you know, or your life situation or, you know, incentives that drove you
1: that way? Uh, hold on. So, you know, it's funny because when I, Was getting out of high school, I was at this point where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like, I had all these aspirations. You know, I was the fucking genius. Okay. Because my mother was a teacher. My father was this genius when it came to mechanics and stuff. I had this sort of passion in me. Like, I wanted to be like my mother. I wanted to be a biologist. And then I thought, that's going to require a lot of school. That's going to require, holy shit, what kind of jobs that can I can even find for this after I get out? And I was thinking, it's like, I'm not going to be able to pay for this. FAFSA won't be able to cover all the things that I need to get done. I'm not going to burden my parents with this either. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to try getting some of this stuff paid for by joining the army. And that was, that was just one reason. The other reason was because I idolized my dad, my, well, I, I, I should say stepdad, but I mean, he's been around for so long in my life since my birth dad died that he's basically my dad. So I looked up to him because he was in the army. He did all that stuff. He was an 88 Mike. He was a wheeled vehicle operator. You know, he's a truck driver, basically, um, deployed three times. He, he he was my hero. Even after he came back from Kuwait and Afghanistan on his last deployment after getting blown the fuck up. Um, he recovered so fast from the, his brain injury and was right back up on his feet. Was able to get out of his glasses within two months. The, the, the dude was my superhero. Not even just my hero, my superhero. And I was like, I want to be like him. Even though Oh my God, my dad was just like, dude, you need to join the Air Force. Please join the Air Force. I don't want to see you in harm's way. And I said, fuck that. I'm going to be like my dad. And that's how I got in the situation where I am. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, sorry, I didn't really I cut you off, but uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I fucking, uh, I legit was a, uh, I fucked up college, but I went for biology. I want to be a biologist as well. Uh, and I just fucked up the first semester and then joined the military. My stepdad was also Army. And it was the same thing. And I wanted to go army or Marines cause I wanted to go fucking, I wanted to go kill people. And like, cause I thought that was a morally upstanding thing to do to protect my nation. And I thought that was somehow effective, you know, in a way to do that, to protect, you know, my nation and fucking my stepdad was the one that's like, you need to go air force. And I was like, but I want to do combat. He's like, you can go do special forces. So I tried to go special forces and I ended up like failing out. So like to make a long story short and there's more to it than that. But yeah, it, just, it was kind of funny the, the parallels there. Because I I went Air Force because, like, you could at least go be, like, Special Forces and, like, have a fucking, like, I don't know. You could – and also have a cushier lifestyle than, like, the fucking Army and the Marines living in fucking tents, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But uh, I just thought it was funny. There's so many parallels there. But, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Almost almost cut from the same cloth in a way. Yeah, very much so. And, yeah. Uh don't know if you had any more to say there. I kind of want to see you kind of touched on a little bit like what was your perspective of the military before you joined? Like what did you see it in the same way that I did? It's like it was a you know morally upsetting thing to do, that even it was like you were kind of fighting the good fight, blah blah blah. That's
1: that's what I felt because going through high school, they don't cover this shit, they hmm. don't talk about it. I had no idea what was going on in Afghanistan. I had no idea what I would be going into and um, I'm eating beef jerky. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I thought that I'd be doing some good. I felt like I would be protecting my country. And I, I was not of the illusion that the United States of America was completely just in everything that it did because I saw what happened in Vietnam. I saw what happened in the first Gulf war. I did pay attention to those because those were taught in history. It's impossible to teach history as it's happening. That's, that's something that people don't realize. is there, It's almost impossible for teachers to teach history as it unfolds. Yeah. That's how it was for me in high school. They couldn't even really go over anything that was like past 2005 because some of that stuff we just still don't know about because it's not released to the public. Even with Freedom of Information Act, they can take as long as they fucking like.
0: Yeah, there is something to that. There's very much a, you don't really get, and you actually, we never ever really get the full story. Even like, with instead, the
1: Iraq war books.
0: Yeah, but you never get the full story, but you get a more true story, or the establishment may be more willing to own up to they fucked up than, than like, you know, within like 10 years or even 15 years. But like 20, 30, 40, 50 years in the line, it's more like, yeah, oh, well, you know, maybe we overdid it there. I mean, you, you know what I mean? There's like a little bit more concessions to be had. Cause like I actually had this discussion the other day where I was talking about how like, you know, I mean, I don't know if you know, I guess I don't know you that well, but like you, there's always like, say for example, like operation paperclip, there's always like CIA, FBI thoughts yep. that get like released yep. like decades later. And then it's, but it's funny. Like you mentioned any, any sort of craziness like that to happen today. And people are like, Oh, that's nuts. But if you like mention like, well, here's this official thing. and like, Oh, well that was forever ago. It's like, yeah, but it's only because now they're just finally admitting it. And so it's yeah. like, yeah, sure, you it was forever
1: this- <laughs> ago, but people still died. People yeah. still had their lives ruined. But the thing is, like, the same
0: exact thing is going to be the case 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. They're going to be like talking mm-hmm. about these other operations that are like, oh, look what happened, you know? Like, mm-hmm. but it's just now since we're in it, there's so much more murky. And yeah, it's just, but it's kind of weird. Like, I'm trying to put my head in that because I joined in 2010. And so I'm a little bit older than you, I assume, you know, because you went out of college. And so it's like for me in 2018, I already in the military was – 2018, I'm pretty sure I might have already been an ANCAP at that point. Probably. I'm really terrible with time. But I I was definitely already fully aware. uh, If if I wasn't an ANCAP, I was already a hardcore minarchist to where I was like, you know, I did still see the utility of a military. But it was – for me, it was still like, but we're doing everything wrong and we're fucking everything up. Like, but it was like, but you need a military. Like, Mm -hmm. so it is like, it's kind of funny. But I also was like, there's something to being young and dumb because like when I joined, I was 19 and I was just like, you know, I wasn't well learned. I didn't know shit. So like, I was just a dumb young kid. (laughs) Like, I mean, I say that though, but then you have like people like Drew Hancock, who's like 20 and he's fucking I don't know if you know him, but he's a big YouTuber and he's like already on the up and up and all this shit. And I'm like, I wish yeah. I was there at that time. Yeah, that's like- that's something that <laughs> I
1: I wish I had known about how this world works before I really dipped into it. And it's like when I when I joined, Trump was still very much the president. And I at the time, like the rest of my family, was would have considered myself a Republican. That that was that was 2016 to 2018, where I was like, fuck yeah, we're finally going to get immigration under control. Trump isn't as bad as everybody says he is. He used to be a Democrat, so now he's a Republican, so now you know he's fairly pretty on the fence. He's somebody that I can look up to, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, this will be great. This will be great. But okay. the problem is, is that I didn't take into account that Trump had inherited the Afghan war and was still trying, because yeah, he promised up and down he wanted us out of Afghanistan. And I believe him. I believe he did. But looking back, now I realize at the time that he got into the presidency, it would have been impossible for us to just pull out all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. It, 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 would, it would be like pulling a knife out of an open wound.
0: Yeah, so, I can kind of yeah. see what you're saying now because I'm trying to put myself in the perspective of an 18, 19-year-old in 2018. Because like mm-hmm. in 2018, I already was very aware of stuff that was going on. I was a little bit older, like I said. But, like, I can kind of see that if I was young and dumb in that 2018 period where it was, like, early in Trump's uh, fucking administration where you're, like, he had already kind of made these, like, sort of promises he's going to, like, pull out. So I could see that, especially from, like, I'm assuming you were uh, at least a minarchist at that point. I would assume. I don't know what you are now. But I would assume you were, to some extent, bought into it. And you, like, so you were very much, like, you know, know, from that perspective, there is some sort of, like, duty feeling of, like, I'm going to do the right thing. And so, like, I can understand if you're like the military is doing the wrong thing, but you know that, like, but it's going to get ready, it's getting ready to start doing the right thing. And we're going to start doing what we're supposed to do and protecting our borders. And, you know, That's shit like what that. I felt. You know, I could see that. Like, okay, so I'm trying to put my head in that, in that, that, my, my head there and yeah. see, like, kind of what you were thinking. I, I can That's- totally see that. Like, it, when I was, because when I joined, it was more the fervor of it was still kind of, I mean, I know to, the 9 11 was 2001, but there's still that fervor in 2010. Oh, yeah. we like so. Like for me, when I joined, it was still very much like this. Like we're gonna go get those motherfuckers, and but then like twenty eighteen, like the 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 attitude of the nation was very different. But I can see yeah, how the like it had been yeah. dead
1: for for seven years, like yeah. that, right? and we were all thinking, why are we still in Afghanistan? And and I I I think I would say like around twenty seventeen, after after my sophomore year, around twenty seventeen, after I was. Holding my head high because Trump had won I, I started really drifting hard into libertarian because I realized my parents are a lot less pro-gun than I thought they were. My granddad let, 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 let me let me tell you something about my granddad. My grandfather, holy shit this man is everything. He's got this 1,000 acre ranch in, in just just outside of our our town. He builds machine guns for a living with his soT. OK, th- this guy, he was in Vietnam as an airborne ranger like he has done it all. And I looked up to the guy and he was, I, I swear to God, that man is a hardcore cap now that I look back. But then I look to my parents and I'm like, wow, my mother is actually pretty liberal. I mean, to be fair, my mother did immigrate from Northern Ireland. So I can understand why she's very scared of guns because she was shot <laughs> at a lot as a kid. So I can yeah. understand that. But I, I I I I took a deep look inside myself in 2017, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna go do this thing because I do need the money for college. But that doesn't mean I'm gonna like it. Mm. So I, I I understood from that point, like, yeah, this is something that I need to do if I want to further my future because this is how this dumbass society works. But I'm not going to let that control me. Mm. Wait, no, I get that 22. Yeah, Yeah, no,
0: I, I get that for sure. I mean, there is some essence of utilizing it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it is one I'm kinda at the point where I do I've gone. I don't know. I guess we won't go to that. But my point is gonna is I my opinions have changed a lot throughout my time in the military, even as an ANCAP. My very much my opinions have changed on like now. I'm kind of the point where I kind of feel like it is immoral to some extent. I mean, I guess it depends. There's so much gray area. Like, if you're some dude folding towels at the fucking base gym, it's kind of like, if anything, you can almost make a collapsitarian fucking argument of, like, you yeah. know, like, he's just, like, sucking money out of state and fucking yeah, this is, his demise. This, not, this is, not, this is me fr-
1: helping, helping fucking keep the money printer going burr. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, he's not
1: really... I know
0: like, they always try to, the military, lie to like people and be like, everyone's just as important and everyone's job is important in the military. Oh, you all, and and, and you, all, you all play a part in the mission. But it's like, there are people that really play no part in the mission. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, like the dude uh, folding j- uh, towels at the base gym, if he didn't exist, there's still a gym off base. Like,
1: uh, yeah. like We're for still going to work out. <laughs> like for instance, you know, I love my dad, but the man was an 88 Mike. And even he recognizes, what the fuck is this job? I drive <laughs> trucks. You know how many soldiers drive around their little Humvees and LMTVs and all that? All of them. They all have to do the tri- the driver's training when they get to their new units. Everybody can drive a fucking truck. The supply people should be the ones driving the trucks. And then 88 Mike is dissolved. Okay. So it was one of those pointless MOSs. Like literally anybody can do your fucking job. Okay. Yeah. And it's yeah. So not everybody is equal in the military when it comes yeah. to jobs. It Me, yeah. I, I'm I'm important to keeping aircraft from fucking crashing into each other. Okay, mm-hmm. the infantry dude, he's important to making sure that wars are won.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know that's 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 that fifteen percent of the army that that we have right there. But yeah. then you've got Joe Schmuck over here, like you said, folding towels at at say bigs gym or whatever like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) yeah and and but then there
0: are people like for example i mean it is like a it's not a straight zeros and ones but like for me for example like being a mechanic i can draw a through line to where i am literally responsible for the deaths of people so like there is something too where it's like i do think i bear some moral culpability for that you know what i mean so for like example yeah. i work on airplanes the airplanes i work on are the same airplanes that refuel the fucking uh that refuel the uh saudi jets that kill fucking yemeni children so it's like there you go <laughs> like, and i've deployed before so All i mean right. I, you know so and, and that's then the is, thing is
1: like yeah when I was getting to my when I was getting to my second year in the army is like I look back and I started really researching everything that Obama had done over his presidency and I looked into oh my god he signed off on every single one of these drone strikes in Yemen a country that we technically weren't supposed to be involved in and it's just drone strike after drone strike and they're killing kids mm-hmm. because they happen to be nearby their target they didn't mm-hmm. give a shit about collateral damage oh it's just some poor schmuck child over in some third world fucking country why would we care what does their life matter they don't have a soul they're muslims or whatever and i'm like what god like what the fuck like i wish you could see the expression that i'm making i'm I'm like my eyes are bulging out of my skull i'm so mad about this yeah so
0: all right so i'm kind of curious so you joined and then like we'll refer to it as the incident like what we talked about but, like, before you that happened, before you deployed, like, and you were also in the military, there was that period of time. How did you feel? Because there was that period of time where you're fresh, like, you you aren't dead inside yet. You have this weird yep. feeling of pride where you're like, look at what I'm doing. Like, I'm making a difference. And, like, because there is some weirdly almost – and I talked about this with Shane Hazel before. And we were talking about how, like, it's like this, like, they pervert the warrior culture of man. Yep. Like that is a that is a big part of masculinity, and it's a completely natural thing. Is the warrior like, and they completely pervert it to where it's like I do think in a truly free society there would be roles for warriors, like there would be private security and shit, and it would be, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, I I very much love violence. I just don't like it on innocent people. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like I'm I'm all about you know fucking up people that deserve to be fucked up. That's where but I'm. Then at. you have to realize.
1: <laughs> then you have to realize that one part of the soldier's creed. I will always place the mission first. Mm -hmm. I will always place the mission first. And that really got me thinking is like, what if this mission involves bombing a hospital, like which has happened multiple times? I'm still supposed to put this
0: first over my... You and I both know with law law of armed conflict, that is totally a thing. If they're utilizing that... If they so called are utilizing that hospital as a fucking as a spot where, say, they're launching missiles from or whatever. It's a on the up and up. All they have to do is make that claim, and you don't know that when you're the one make uh, yeah, dropping bombs. Sure, you know, sure, like you're you're just taking the, orders. You
1: know? consider, what about all of the innocent lives that are in that hospital? I have been one that has always thought I'd rather see ten people go free than one innocent person to yeah. stay in prison. Same thing. Like I would rather see ten towel heads keep shooting the people than seeing honored people in that hospital being blown to smithereens.
0: Yeah. And you have cul- just because someone like if someone attacks me and, and like people, people like people understand this at the base, like the base concept of it. But if someone attacks me and then I in return, say even, even in a self-defense manner, I attack them back in whatever fashion and I somehow hurt someone else that had nothing to do with it. That is on me. Uh, yeah. That's like that. I don't get to go. Oh, that's his fault. Like I don't care what. Yeah, sure. On a, what I mean? level, <laughs> on a civilian level,
1: on a civilian level, we have to take responsibility. But oh, it's war. It's different. Yeah. Bullshit.
0: No, we we get to we get to make excuses for some reason. Once once we we up the scale, for some reason, at that point, then it doesn't matter. We have no. Culpability—it's just collateral damage, it's just statistics. It's like a, because fucking Stalin had the we, quote about you know. What uh, is everybody gonna do? <laughs> yeah, was well, I think it's Stalin that says one life's a tragedy in like a. a yes, and it's yes, a, I remember. the statistic or whatever.
1: Just, yes, that was yeah. Stalin. That yeah. was Stalin.
0: And but that's how we—that's how wars have been for forever. He wasn't—he wasn't full of shit. Like that's just—that's yeah. just how states operate. So, anyways, back to the question: Like, what was your before you left and before you had that life-altering experience, like? What was your perspective after joining? Was it kind of like how I said, and very much this, like, you know, you had this, like, thing of pride, and, like, you were, like,
1: you felt like you were doing the right thing kind of deal? Oh, man, I was I was fresh out of AIT. I had this spiffy new-looking uniforms because I got everything DXed when I got to AIT because all my uniforms looked like shit after basic. So I get to AIT at Fort Rucker and my god man i'm like holy shit look at me i got my wings on my chest i got this patch that doesn't look like a fucking square on my shoulder like i was feeling good i felt proud to be in the united states army i was i couldn't be happier i felt like i made my dad proud and you know what he was he was he was proud of me but at the same time i could tell and I didn't want to admit it to myself at the time, but looking back, I could see there was something in his eyes. Like he knew I was in for a world of hurt if I ever got deployed, even mm-hmm. in a non-combat MOS. I was in, in the, I was in the world for hurt and I didn't want it. I didn't want to believe it at the time. So yeah. I was, I was highly optimistic. And you know what? I got into everything because when you're an air traffic controller, it's stressful, it is. You're dealing with dozens and dozens and dozens of aircraft, be it fixed wing or helicopter. Hell, even now and again, you get the emergencies. Sometimes you have dumbass civilians and little Cessnas running out of fuel. Oh, boy. So I I got into everything. I get into the smoking. I get into the drinking. I get into the energy drinks and the tobacco and the dip and all of that. And I, I get into all of it. I'm making all these bad decisions, but I'm like, oh, this is just army culture, you know, and it will be fine. I'll quit once I'm out because I won't be so stressed. What mm. was I wrong after fucking Fenty?
0: Yeah. No, but uh, it's kind of funny. You brought up something there that kind of made me think, like, it is interesting how it's like there is very much this pride thing, you know, yeah. like with, uh, you know, with your family. and stuff. I had the same thing where it's very much. Like now when I'm getting out, like I'm halfway to a pension and I'm trying to get out. And like, yeah. I don't know if like how your, your family is. I don't know if they know your perspective, but my family also knows my perspective. So it's like almost weirdly in a way, like I'm fighting against what they're proud of me for. And I know I'm like, if I talk to my family, they would never be like, Oh, well, we're not, not proud of you. You know what I mean? But it's still like in a weird, you know, way to your core, it's almost like you're fighting it. And it, and it also yeah. like for your family, it kind of in a way comes from a wholesome place. So it is like, you know, to them, it's almost, it almost feels like to some extent, it's a little bit of a dagger to the heart to like those you love, because you knew this was something that they took pride in of you doing, and you're kind of fighting against that. And it's almost to some extent, like you're fighting against how you were raised. And I mean, you are to some extent, and I I very much am, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, doesn't mean I, I love you any less, but it almost feels like you're like kind of slighting them in some way because you're in a, some sense telling them that you think what, how, what they did with you was wrong, you know what I mean? And how they raised you, you know? So, I don't know if that resonated with you.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd have to say it does because yeah. my mother, when I first enlisted, it, it and the thing is that my dad was working full-time because he's, he's a diesel mechanic now Now that he's got in the army. He's working for Bobcat. He's bringing in big bucks. but That also means he's spending like 10 to 12 hours a day at the shop because he's the most talented mechanic that they have. Even as the foreman, he's still their best mechanic. So my mother was the one that had to sign over my life to the government. And I could, I could, oh my God, the look on her face when she realized what she was doing. Because even she knew after what she had seen her husband go through. But But she had this feeling that she thought that everything was going to be all right. She knew that even though I would be put in harm's way. I'd come out of it. It was, it was that, that faith. My mother, I don't know if she talks to God. I don't know how she is. But I feel like she, at the moment, she knew. And she was proud of me, more proud than she's ever been. And she's always admitted, like, you're the coolest guy I've ever met. And I gave birth to you. I was like, you know what? That's that's great. And that made me so proud. I was like, you know what? I'm not just doing this to be like my dad. I'm doing this because I don't want to let my mother down. I'm going to make it through this bitch that's called basic training. I'm going to get through my 16 week AIT that is absolutely god awful. Brayman Hall for air traffic controllers is one of the toughest simulations when it comes to air traffic control. I didn't care. I was going to make her proud. That that was my whole mindset. That's what got me through it.
0: Yeah, and very much with what though, you went through. I I know how air traffic controllers. I've had it, knew a lot of people were, and I know it's one of the highest recidivism rates. You know, for like people who fail out and get yeah, you know, because that's the other thing. Yeah. That's
1: the other thing. You cannot make a career out of ATC unless you decide to stop at E seven. There mm-hmm. are no. 15 Quebec E8s and E9s. None of them ever make first sergeant or sergeant major unless they switch to 15 Papa, which is the air, which is uh aviation operations. They don't ever make it past sergeant first class. So if you're taking on air traffic control, you've already signed away the idea that yeah, I'm not probably I'm probably never gonna do this past staff sergeant, which is probably why the promotion points are always so ridiculously low for ATC. They've always been so low.
0: Mm-hmm. all right let's move on let's get to the meat of it and i want to have you let you i'm just gonna kind of sit back and let you tell your story of what happened and then we we can talk after it like i'm sure you know specifically what i'm getting at
1: you know yeah so yeah. well before i do i uh, i've been waiting to crack this thing open all day so <laughs> no you're good i'm drinking one now. all right There <laughs> we go i've got my jameson got a tall this. boy pbr white voice oh, on my yeah. baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right uh so afghanistan oh, god it it always seems so long ago and yet so fresh in my mind <sighs> so january 2019 I was still relatively new to the army, but I got my I got my rocker and my Mosquito wings. I was an E three. I was ready to go at this shit, and I I didn't realize that we were going to be deploying until about three months beforehand. Because uh, I didn't go to NTC with everybody else because I was still really new, and they didn't want to risk me. I don't know, fucking up somehow in NTC because we all know how NTC can be if we've ever been there. They'll gas you every fucking day, <laughs> and it gets stressful. You're dealing with mass cows, gas attacks, base attacks, and all that. So I didn't get to do all of the pre-deployment training with everybody else. Um, but they decided after me already being in for about a year, this will work. This this guy's ready. This guy's ready. Let's let's bring him along with the deployment. So I so I was originally with the uh, second bat of the five hundred first. Um and they realized that they weren't gonna have enough air traffic controls to go around for all the different fobs and COPs that we had. So they decided to first send me to uh, 3rd Battalion, which uh Task Force Apocalypse. got I love Third Battalion. Uh Sorry Major Crowley is still my hero. Um, that man's wild. Um so I I get to fob Dahlke yeah Afghanistan it, it was it was actually not too bad you know it, it had been there before it used to be known as fob shank um, it had been moved around shut down a few times because the Taliban knew exactly where it was they always had that place sighted in um, I get there and I get my little mobile tower unit and I have to get used to being called apocalypse Tower. Apocalypse Tower, and I was like, I've been Desert Night this entire time. Now I'm Apocalypse Tower. Whatever, I will deal with that. Fuck it, I'll be the apocalypse. I was, I was still in high spirits at the beginning of that deployment, even though I knew, you know, we really didn't belong in in, in Afghanistan. But I figured, hey, if I can be a part of this deployment and I can do my bid, you know, I'll earn my way back home. So. That's when I got my rude awakening, because within a month of us getting there, it was like the sky unleashed upon us, because I'm sure you've heard it many times in your career. It's that god-awful incoming alarm. I, oh my god, and I just, I'd never heard something so terrible. And this is coming from a guy that literally has an air raid siren, like a World War II air raid siren. As his alarm clock sound. And when I first heard that thing, I just I freaked the fuck out. And I was I was on the night shift when I first got there. And I love being on night shift because I could see everything going along going on at night. But then I got a new taste for what night shift was really like when I heard that alarm piercing my ears. And then the C RAM starts going off. It's this this shit incoming incoming. That saw the light flash. That that kind of alarm and that's just uh, that's one of the most god awful things i've ever heard. And then the CRAM spurs up and it's, you just see all these little sparks in the air and it's 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 like this light show. But then that's when one mortar gets through. And it takes out the one thing that you never want to lose in a deployment. That's the defect, the dining facility. It takes that shit out, and boom, there goes half of our MREs. There goes all the big pots of rice and all the lamb stores. It's all gone. One mortar, so all it took it took out half the entire fucking defect It's gone. And then I was like, wow. So now I'm gonna have to eat these shitty little first strike rations that are supposed to last me for 24 hours. They're not the regular MREs. I'm supposed to make this shit last for 24 hours, and it's like there's one meal in here and a few bunch of snacks and shit. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? And I was already thinking this 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 sucks. This sucks. And 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 we got mortared many times, many 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 times, all the time. Like I I swear to God there was a there wasn't a night every month that. That alarm came on. Incoming! 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 Run to the nearest concrete barrier, or whatever the fuck that you can find. And man, I got caught outside one time. And that was—that's the one thing you never wanted to be—is caught outside, because then you have to take shelter in a vehicle. Mm. But me, I was caught outside because I was taking a shit. <laughs> and I think if you've ever taken a shit when you're getting mortared. You suddenly don't have to shit anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And I run to a vehicle and I realize I don't have my helmet or my body armor. I just left it sitting outside the porta potty like everybody else does. And I left it over there and I get to the LMTV. I jump in, slam it closed. I put on the combat lock. I don't know why I did that. I put on the combat lock and I didn't even realize how to, like, I had no idea how to open it at the time. They never told us about how the combat locks work because we didn't have those kinds of LMTVs. I put on the combat lock, and I'm stuck in the fucking truck, and I never pulled my pants up. (laughs) And that was how I – that was the first four months of my deployment was I had no idea what the fuck I was about to get into. Like I – I felt like I was an FNG all over again, the fucking new guy. The the brand new private that shows up that the first turn is like I don't want to deal with this kid, but I don't want him to be fucked up, so I'm going to give him the guide on and put him in the front of formation. That kind of guy and I was like, am I really going through this all over again? Like I just made PFC and this is how I'm acting. I I I, I woke up and I felt like i had ruined my reputation. So I was like, I went to, I went to our sergeant major because Sergeant Major Hale, or no, it wasn't Sergeant Major, no, it was Star Major Crowley at the time. We were pretty close. And I went to Sergeant Major Crowley, and I said, Sergeant Major, I feel like I really fucked up to the point that i think I can never recover from that little incident where I ran to an LMTV scared shitless with no body armor, no rifle. Oh, yeah, I forgot my rifle in the port shitter (laughs) And I was like, so if you could please do a guy a favor and transfer me me over to Heavy Cav. He was like, sure. We'll transfer you over to Heavy Cav. Just be aware, there are still some third bad elements that work with Heavy Cav because somebody's got to lift their fucking Humvees. Um, So they sent me over to Heavy Cav, which was up in Fob Fenty. And that was when I got the arbitrary decision that I would no longer be working as an air traffic controller because they already had air traffic controllers. So they said, okay, PFC Schroeder, guess what? You're on door gunner duty now. Lovely. I, I, my, my first thought, because I was one of those dudes that brought his laptop with all the movies downloaded before he went in, because Wi-Fi in Afghanistan is like 50 bucks an hour. I swear to God, it's expensive.
0: So yeah, if you're deploying, bring porn with you, <laughs> bring porn with you guys,
1: bring <laughs> porn with you, because Wi-Fi in Afghanistan, they will charge you worse than your insurance. All right. I get there and I'm like, fuck, yeah, I'm like that dude from Full Metal Jacket, the, the door gunner, man, fuck, this this is going to be great. Anybody who runs is a head. And I I was great with it. I never really saw anything that I needed to shoot at that first month. And then that was when we really started getting hit at because they figured out where Fenty was, which it wasn't really that far from uh, from Jalalabad. Uh, they figured out where we were, and they were like, "We're gonna start hitting these aircraft as they're coming up." They had like all the dishkas, all the PKMs and stuff, and they were really trying to hone in on us every time that we would leave. And we did have some incidents where um, there was a there was one Apache that had gotten shot down, and they did a hard landing. One of the pilots had a pretty bad concussion. Everybody made it out. But still, it made you think like he was only two miles out from Fenty and he was getting shot down. So we were like, yeah, we really need to up the door gunner count. And that was why they put me on in the first place. With Like this happened before I got to door gunner duty was because people were getting shot down and there was also an incident where another Apache queen, or no, I'm sorry, another Apache helicopter the, the, the notorious hanger Queens that they are went down from a maintenance issue because uh, one of their engines failed. So they had to set her down and it created a big problem. And they had to send out a QRF team and they wouldn't have been able to airlift the Apache without drawing more ins- insurgents. So they were like, we're going to bip it, bip. It's a B I F blow in place. So they they will blow that bitch up, and it was incidents like those where they were like, "We need more door gunners." So I get really into this. I feel like a god up there in the sky with a M two forty hotel. Which the the difference between the hotel and the regular two forty Bravo is it's got the the thumb paddles, kind of like a kind of like a modus where you can just slide it off, but you can also put a buttstock on there as well. So like you can slide off the paddles, put on a stock, and then you can. Dismount it from the bird and go running out and shooting if you need to. So, oh Lord, I just I just got distracted. What's this? What does that sound?
0: It sounds like someone in the background. I don't
1: know. It's not I no, no, don't no, 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 know. I got some weird that. static or something. Oh okay. Uh, Lord. So I I feel good that first month, and then that's when we really start taking heavy fire. There have been instances where where we're dropping off soldiers um, for, for air, different air assaults, or we're trying to airlift vehicles, and it's like I hear these little pings, ding crack. You know, that's the, the thing that people realize is that gunshots aren't just static noises. When you hear a bullet passing by you, it's not a whiz; it is a crack. It snaps. It's like a whip. It scares the shit out of you. And after that first time that I really got a bullet flying past me, and that's when I'm like, oh, fuck this shit. I'm going to start shooting. So I'm just shooting at random, to be honest, because I didn't see any targets. I don't know where I'm being shot from. And that's when I see it. Right after we drop these dudes off to go do whatever the fuck that, that infantry people do, we drop them off, and I see exactly where the fire comes from, and I know that they can't talk to me, because I'm up in a helicopter, and they're way out on the ground. So I just start sh- shooting at this one window, this little mud hut. And they're like, oh, he's shooting at that window. So I knew for a fact, even if I didn't kill that guy, somebody went in there and killed him. And I thought, maybe that was my first kill. And I didn't know how to feel about it, because I was thinking, I didn't really want to be in Afghanistan to begin with. <sighs> but at the same time, he shot at me. And I didn't know how to feel about it. Mm. it, it it's that, it's, it's, it's almost like, <sighs> It's almost like losing your virginity, but in a way that you're not really comfortable with. Like, it's just like, uh, was that pleasurable? Was that, what the fuck was that? Was it's was like that? Losing
0: your butthole virginity.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like losing your ass virginity for a gay dude like me. It's like, was that?
0: <laughs> I don't know how I feel about but that.
1: I, would I do that again? Yeah. Didn't know. But this sort of thing happened over and over and over again until so we got a call about needing, oh, wait, immediate- I totally forgot about
0: the gay thing. The oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like context. That's usually like a no no spot for most dudes. So it's yeah, like that's why dudes. it's like you're like, did I like that? I don't know. But I I, I get what, you, what you're getting at. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to make light of like killing someone necessarily, but uh, yeah, you know, I get what you're getting at. that is like I I killed someone, and it's like there's this. It was almost like this
1: Rambo thing that we're fed. because it's like it's been grained into us, yeah. into us from basic training. That our entire purpose, at the bottom line, even if we're from a, even if we're a supply technician, an armorer, a, a truck driver, a mechanic, our primary purpose is to kill and win the war. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. And so I was like, this is the thing that most soldiers with my MOS, we don't get to do this. We'll, we'll. Most of us will never see this kind of action. I was never even supposed to be to be on door gunner duty, but they didn't have bodies. They needed yeah. people. So yeah, yeah, I was getting at though
0: it's like it's like the Rambo thing where there is always this like thing you know you're fed that like that's the badass thing you know like you know you want like that's cool like you're out there fucking just yeah. killing motherfuckers and stuff and it's like but when it really happens I mean obviously I haven't had it but like I could see how it'd be conflicting. Yeah, like I even said before like. And it's not even when necessarily a bad remember. thing, but it's contextual because, like, it's kind of – I'm sure you've heard the sheepdog thing before, right? Have you ever heard mm-hmm. of the sheepdog thing where it's like, you know, there are those who like violence and would use it to hurt innocent people. There are those who like violence who want to protect innocent people, and there's those who, like, don't like violence and those are the sheep or whatever. And and yeah. i have actually always very much identified with that because it is like I am actually very much a someone who likes violence, but I'm also, weirdly, in a way, a very peaceful person. But if anyone ever fucked with me or my own, I would fuck you up so fucking quick. <laughs> so, and, and that's how I felt. Like this,
1: just because <laughs> you know, that's yeah. how I, I guess I felt because I felt like I was protecting myself from being shot out of a 60. But at the same time, I was also protecting these guys on the ground that they didn't realize that they were already walking to a hot zone.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, this is contextual thing of like, should we even yeah. be? It? So it's like you were like kind of the, 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 the really fucked up thing about this situation is you're almost like, I mean, don't get me wrong, there is some voluntary nature of it, but it's also mm-hmm. like you don't really know what you're getting into to some extent. And it's like you're kind of put in this situation where now this is the this is the the situation you're in, where now you're in a spot where there are people who want to kill you and it's you wanna make you... sure you wanna make sure your friends don't die and you wanna keep yourself alive, you know? Like, so
1: it's either you make the choice of keep your moral high ground mm-hmm. or live. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not going to die in this shithole country. That, that's, that was my instinct was, I'm not going to fucking die here over something that I believe in that at the time I had no power over. Because when you join the army, your political beliefs don't fucking matter. You do what you're told or you die. Yeah, Or, you know, get chapped the fuck out and nobody ever looks at you like a human being ever again. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> those are your choices. And I know a lot of people, like, look in our spaces and, like, you know, the Libertarian and Cap,
0: whatever, and we'll be like, well, yeah, you shouldn't even be there. But it's like, okay, but they are. So, like, yeah, no, and now what? Like, this is where we're at. We're in this moral quandary of you're put in this situation of, like, you know, people are shooting at you. Now, what the fuck do you do? Like, so it is, like, it's easy to, like, if you zoom out, be like, and I know people like the Nuremberg and shit, and, but, mm-hmm. and, you know, like... I mean, it, 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 it has nothing a to real do. Real gray
1: area, yeah. But it has <laughs> nothing to do with just following orders. Bullshit. Yeah. That's not what it's about. It's about living or dying. When it comes yeah. to warfare, you have no choice. Your hand—it's either you make the decision then, or you will be had, or you will have the decision made for you. Mm-hmm. So is it's you forget your morals in that moment and you survive. Or you decide to stick to your morals, and you get shot to shit, or somebody else gets shot to shit, and then you have to live with their death. I wasn't planning on living with anybody dying because of me. And then that's where we get to the situation where I... So I'm not going to get to that that last part quite yet. I'm going to go on to... There was a QRF call that we got quick, QRF, this quick reaction force for non-military folks watching. So we had an urgent nine line medevac that came up. So they needed a QRF, but the three apaches that we had at the fob at the time were not ready. They were all in maintenance for some reason or other. And to compliment that, there wasn't enough 30 mic mic to go around. So they were like, well, the best that we can do is an assault, uh, an assault 60. So we send up an assault Blackhawk with me and another door gunner and the two crew chiefs and a medic as well to complement 2nd Battalion's medical dudes from uh, from Charlie to go one. So we go to complement them. We're basically meeting at the same spot because it was like halfway in between our two camps. So we're like, fuck it, we're going to go meet in between because nobody's there that can actually help them out. So we go meet in between, and it is a shit show. It is what we call a mass cow. As in, there's a lot of people that are either dying or dead. Mostly dying, because we've got all our fancy body armor and medical technology and all that. So there's about 20 to 25 people there all infantry that have just been shot up to shit, they're pinned down, and we've got to do something. So while the medical bird lands, we're but we're busy hovering above them and me and my co-gunner are just lighting up the valley. Like we're we're in probably the worst possible spot, tactically speaking, where it's like fish in a barrel. That's what I felt like was a fish in a barrel but i see i see these like three dudes that are running the wards where the medevac team is picking up soldiers trying to get them onto the bird i mean these birds can only hold 11 people not counting you know the crew so it's like we know that we're going to have to make two trips but somebody has to stay here and that was going to be us the people that were that had guns because medical birds cannot have guns on them so we 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 see these three people as as the uh as, as the medical bird is taking off, we see these three dudes coming in, and we can't tell if they're carrying anything that might be a, a Kalash, an RPG. We didn't know. But I made a conscious decision in that time because they looked like they were probably a part of the insurgency that I was not going to let them get anywhere near my fellow soldiers. I didn't know these soldiers, but I didn't know the, the people who were going towards them and i made the decision i'm going to trust the people that i know for a fact are on my team so i made the call i made the call and i let them the fuck up i didn't even care if they weren't carrying weapons i couldn't see weapons because they were too far away but i wasn't going to make i wasn't i wasn't even going to take a chance because that's something you can't do you cannot take a chance every time that you let seconds go by that's another time to- that's another person that can die so i made that conscious decision I killed three people in that very moment. Die, motherfucker, die. That was the burst that we were taught when we were learning how to use the 240. Die, motherfucker, die. When you let off the trigger, that's your burst. All it took was me thinking, die, motherfucker, die. And instead of one motherfucker, it's three motherfuckers. Because they were so close together. That What was I supposed to do? Like You tell me. Do, I, I don't know who these people are. I don't know if they're carrying anything because they're too far away for me to see. They're not exactly like toting them above their heads like you see some of the insurgents do, like fucking dumbasses waving those shit around. What am I gonna do? So I deck them. That's just it it's it's there's nothing else that would have been an option because if I let them get too close and one of them pulls out a fucking RPG. There's a whole group of soldiers that are bundled up around this one dude that's bleeding out on a stretcher. They would all be vaporized. So after we get back from that, after, we, after the, the next medical bird comes back to pick up the rest of the casualties, we get to our FOB and go to the debrief. And they're asking us everything. Like, S2 is grilling us. S2 is, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the intelligence portion of the battalion they handle incoming intelligence they analyze it they decipher it they plot it out on maps and stuff so they wanted to know how many people were there what kind of engagements we got into uh rounds spent stuff like that and then they got to so i was told by such and such pilot that you engaged uh, that you engaged targets that you could not discern whether or not they were enemies you said it over the helicopter comms that you had no idea if they were carrying weapons that you couldn't see weapons why did you engage them and i was silent i i didn't know how to respond to that because i've got this staff sergeant that i guarantee you she has never seen a single minute of combat. She's never even had bullet fly past her. Like She's green of a staff sergeant as you can get as a staff sergeant. And she's trying to ask me, why did you kill these people if you didn't know if they were carrying weapons? And I told her because I didn't know that they were carrying weapons. That's why I killed them because I don't know and I also don't know who they are. That, that was that first instance where I very well could have been court-martialed until, of course, you know they found the bodies, and and, and later I did find out that I made the right decision. And it was in that moment I never felt more relieved in my life. Yeah. I, I have never breathed a bigger sigh of relief, was realizing that I didn't fuck up.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, it is Me, always, it was, this, it, this yeah. whole time I'm sitting here like, this is a moral quandary. Because it's very much a, you know, like, I mean, everything is insinuating that it's like, but you don't know. There's like, there's like did, I a- just,
1: did I just kill three goat farmers that are trying to see what's going on and are oblivious to the fact that there are bullets flying past because they don't know what bullets sound like, apparently, or they're deaf or something? Or did I kill three people who were about to completely annihilate this platoon of soldiers that's almost all completely dead? Like, 15% combat effectiveness or less. And it was that moment that I when I realized that I made the right decision that I was like, fuck, maybe I should start doing this more often. <laughs> it's like, maybe I should just cut loose more often because you can't just hesitate on that stuff. You cannot because hesitation, as I said before, one second that you wait is is a chance for another person to die. And that's what got me into... The single most horrifying moment of my entire life. So, Fob Fentine has been attacked by ground forces a few times in its history. And one of those happened to be during my deployment. Um, and it was during that, that attack that there were some of us that were outside of the wire because we needed to set up security and all that. And we're, we're it's it's a close firefight. There aren't enough people on the base to go around. Like I didn't realize how many people were really engaging. Like a, it was a solid like sixty to seventy insurgents, but they're so spread out that it's almost impossible to suppress them. You can't do suppressive fire and go around and flank them because you don't know if 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 you send one team to go out flanking people, you don't know if they're about to walk straight down their line and get shot up. You don't really know so we 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 start getting mark 19 set up on humvees and we roll those bitches out we start firing off grenades and everybody just takes for the hill except for a few people and they just keep shooting and shooting and shooting and then i i could i could tell there's this one dude who's like pinned down and i'm debating if i want to shoot at him because he's he's not really moving much He's, like, sort of cowering. Like, if you've ever seen Saving Private Ryan, and you know that one soldier is at the Hedgehog, and he's, like, getting shot at, and he's, like, freaking the fuck out. He's crying and stuff, and he doesn't want to move, and other people are shoving him and trying to get him to move, and he doesn't want to move. That's what that guy looked like. The only difference between him and that one soldier from that one movie is that he was brown and wearing civilian clothing and, and, and looked like a civilian. That, that was really the only difference between them. Different team, yeah. That's it. Yeah, different team. And it's like, I don't care. You know, I had no problem with I, with, with the, the, the Afghani civilians. I loved them. I hate the a a Those guys are retarded. The amount of friendly fire incidents I've seen from those guys is hilarious. I hate the a a It's the Afghan National Army. I hate those guys, but the civilians, I don't mind them. I've known some really good Afghan civilians. People that have ended up getting themselves killed because they support us over the Taliban. Those guys are awesome, but I didn't know this guy. He was on the same. He was with the group of people that were shooting at us and this, this this last little pocket of people and he says to himself, I'm guessing he says fuck this shit all is not worth my life and he dropped his little AKM. He, he, he dropped that shit. He got up and I panicked I was like, hold on are they trying to run away? Is this guy coming? like I? I flinched. That was the one moment where I flinched in the wrong way. Die motherfucker, die. That's that. That's how it went down. I flinched in the wrong way, and he died right there. Done running away, scared for his fucking life, and he died because I couldn't. Control myself because I had conditioned myself to not hesitate. By not hesitating, I killed a surrendering enemy. And ever since then, I have said, "Fuck this shit! I want out." That's that's been my that's been my uh, mindset ever since. So we get back in October. Nobody really talks much, except for all the third back guys who were at Camp Dalky and all they ever got was mortar attacks, and one of, their, one of their S3 NCOs gets his leg almost blown off. Almost blown off. Not all the way. So he gets to keep his leg. So that's their one casualty. We had one soldier die at Fenty. I don't remember his name, but we did have one guy die. I don't know if he was a part of our unit or not. But he died in that attack, and I, 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 I remember thinking to myself, what would have happened if I had just let that one guy go? Because this guy here, he's not going to go back to his family. He's dead. The, this, this one soldier that's going to have a permanent rifle in the camp, or if, if the camp stays open, so he's going to have that one rifle sticking to the dirt. And I thought, what about that one guy that I killed? Who's going to set up his grave? Does he have a family? Do Do they know that he's gone? Do they know that some 20-year-old kid just gunned down their father, their son, their dad? Oh, I already said father. <laughs> they're, they're, you get you know what I'm saying. Like, do, do they realize what just happened? And and I really thought about it. That this, this guy was scared out of his mind. He was scared shitless. He realized in that very moment, I don't want to do this. Me, I didn't want to do it either. I didn't want to be there in that god awful fucking country to begin with. But these are the decisions that we have to make. Mm. And, and, and and since I've gotten back, I have been over the mind that fuck this shit. I've never seen something more disgusting. This is what I was turned into. And I've, I've, there's one thing that I hate, and it's feeling like I'm not in control. I have a genuine phobia. It is called cleithrophobia. It is the fear of being trapped in a situation that you cannot escape from. And frankly, I don't think it's all that unreasonable. I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem all that unreasonable of a fear. It seems perfectly justified. I
0: was getting at earlier where you're in a situation where you can kind of make moral justifications. But in that moment, I couldn't. Yeah, but, like, even even with him, like, don't get me wrong, like, I mean, I, it's fucked up. But, like, I mean, I mean, for those about to judge what we're saying, like, f- first off, fuck you. Like, I am no way supporter of war. I don't think a military should even exist, in the, especially in the state it has, is now. So I'm completely no. against every war entirely. But once you're in this paradigm of there are people fucking shooting at me and they are trying to kill me and I am responsible for the, those people around me to protect them. It's like, I I just like, I mean, I've never had to deal with that in the military. I've been a mechanic, but I can see how that's like a, you know, that's a different thing. You know, like, I mean, you can have this like moral high ground of like, well, this is wrong and that's wrong. Sure. Cool. We can theorize, but like, even in the worst case scenario, like the last one you brought up, like, I mean, even from a utilitarian perspective, which I mean, to some extent, you kind of have to get there when we're talking about warfare, like team versus team, like this motherfucker, like. Sure, there's a possibility he was gonna that toss he that rifle left yeah, he and, left and never come one. back. Well, I mean, there's, I was gonna say there's a possibility he could never come back. Mm-hmm. Like he'd just be like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm I'm I am i am i this is ridiculous. Like, look, I almost died. But for all I know, that could have intensified his resolve. Like, cause I'm sure all his friends fucking died. So, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, it could it could have intensified his resolve to be and you know what, maybe rightfully so. Because once you get this team versus team shit, it's kind of like you know, I killed one of yours. Now I can, you, uh, we're going to kill three of yours, you know, like, like mm-hmm. and it's back and forth. And so it's like, I and to some extent, there's like some sort of kind of
1: justification, like in a sense, even on his side
0: and on ours.
1: So it's and like, there, that's, it's like, you put it, my friends at risk. I don't know if you're coming back. Yeah. I guess, I guess in my, in my subconscious, uh, fight or flight mind, I decided in that moment I don't care if you're not coming back to this battle. I don't want you to come back ever again, mm-hmm. yeah, and then I die, mean, motherfucker, die.
0: I mean, the ex- I I was talking about this before, like uh, with some friends, and I like the the example I use. is, like let's say, like, uh, what's it, the Hatskies and McCluskeys or whatever the fuck the old school like clans used to fight were renowned. Oh yeah, the, uh, the
1: Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah, yeah whatever. Good. I was I was fucking <laughs> close,
0: but uh, you know, like, let's say you had some situation like that where. I mean let's say you you had some – your family and for no fucking reason at all there was some other group that had some fucking sh- problem with you and they were like legit in fucking lethal battle with you and you knew that they were going to come back. And like say one of them runs away. Yeah. I, I, call me a piece of shit if you want but in that situation if someone had come to me and is attacking my family and I'm fairly goddamn certain they're probably going to come back, I'm probably going to fucking blow them away. Yeah, I mean, not, that may not, be morally yeah, wrong. Say, say what you will. I mean, we can theorize and, and philosophize, but at the other day, like, I'm more concerned about the future safety of my family than I am about the morality of a situation with a stranger that I'm not concerned about. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't care about, I don't value human life. It's just I value others more than others. So, like, and that's kind of like, and now you swap that out with, you know, your battle buddies, you know, people you've been deployed with for however long, Mm -hmm. whatever, or just people that you just generally see as your team, you know, which, I mean, that kind of goes into the tribalism of man and how the fuck that is. But, like, (laughs) it really is these states that force us into these paradigms and pick fights. And now we have these fucking, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-old fucking retards like me and you were that just Mm -hmm. fucking were like, you know what, I'm going to go fucking serve my country and go do the fucking – Go do, go do my mom and dad yeah, proud. Yeah. yeah. Like, and <laughs> like, now they're in a situation where they're fighting to stay alive and to keep their friends alive. And now they're in this paradigm. And, like, I get it. Like, you know, I mean, I'm very much, you know, guilty of, like, falling into theory and be like, well, it's the fucking people who did it who are directly responsible and, like, the people who tell them to do it, you can only somewhat. But to some extent, like, I mean, it is this, like, you know, like, we don't have 15-year-olds sign contracts. Like, I mean, there is something too, like, you know, we are like conning these fucking, you know, generally speaking, poor kids, you know, young kids yeah. that were put through public school and taught shit all nothing yep. <laughs> and fucking well, fed them propaganda you, oh my Lord, man, Those
1: recruiters, 12 years. <laughs> you know? Those recruiters are vicious. They are some snakes when it comes to high schools. I, I feel like recruiters should be banned from high schools. I don't think they oh, belong yeah. in high schools. That's exactly how I got in. Was because yeah. there is recruiter handing out like all these cards, like, "Hey, what are some things that you're good at? Like, what languages do you can speak?" And I put out that I can speak Dutch, I can speak German, I can speak Irish, and I can speak English. So I was like, "I I can already speak four languages." Well, most people only speak one because I I learned to speak Dutch and German through other moments in my life that I'm not going to go into today, but. I, you know, I, it, it it was one of those things where it was survival. And, 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 uh, so I, I felt like, hey, you know, I could be, I could be special. What if they want to send me to Germany or something and make me be a, a, a fucking terp or something? And so I get this call from a recruiter and he was like, hey, so I understood that you'd be interested in joining the United States Army. And I was like, oh, hi, Soren. How are you doing? He's like, whoa. Like, what do you mean? Whoa! It's like, nobody ever says sergeant. Everybody always says sir, because they're all civilians. It's like, you must be an army brat. I'm like, yeah, a little bit. And then that's how he got. That's how he got me on the leash. So it's like, wrap that lasso around me. Started reeling me in. And that's, oh lord. Yeah. I mean, did, uh, was- did
0: you do recruiter assistant program?
1: Oh, that that shit where you like go home after EIT or something, and it was like, "Nah, I said no, fuck that." No, nah, I didn't. Like free... I felt like I had been lied to. It was like a free was... two weeks of leave, so
0: I, I know I took it. For me, I took it as that, and I remember like I went to multiple high schools, and I and me being someone who just got out of training, they used me as show and tell of like, "Look at this young." Fine, upstanding oh, yeah. man like, like let me at be honest. high
1: school fresh dude. out of basic fresh out of basic basic training that's the best shape that I've ever been in my life I am 5 foot 7 I was 130 pounds soaking wet going into basic I came out 140 pounds, toned as to shit I finally had abs again and then now I'm back up to 190 mm-hmm. I don't know how the fuck this happened I'm at risk of getting chaptered out over height and weight. I mean, sure, I'm, I'm at the end of my little shtick. But at the same time, it's like the things that I have thought about and, and that I've tried to deal with has gotten me, I guess, I guess you could say depressed. I don't know if that's that's a word that I would use. But it, uh, I guess I turned to food and and device. I started drinking a lot I'm drinking now. <laughs> like I I guess I started finding all these different coping mechanisms. Just like when I look back and I see all these photos of myself fresh out of ASIC, I'm like, what the fuck happened, man? I I felt like I still had my soul intact. Is is this something that happens to everybody in the army? Is this why all of my NCOs just sigh all the time over the dumbest shit? It, it, Is this why so many people are getting out after this last deployment? Why nobody wants to re-enlist? There's not a a single person in my shop that wants to re-enlist after what happened to everybody, really. Sure, everybody that was a donkey came out fine, but they almost lost somebody. Sure, I survived, but I took human life. There are four people that I know of for certain that I killed. That's four people. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is my life worth? And and that's how I spiraled down. And 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 since I started getting closer to the end of my contract, I was like, what do I have to be depressed over? I'm about to be free. I have gotten closer to the, the libertarian minarchist and cap, whatever you want to call it, dream than I've ever been in my entire life. I own guns now. I own my guns, I'm not just granddad's trying to be a sugar daddy or something. I don't know. <laughs> Fucking getting me all these cool, fancy stuffs that I can use for competition. No, like finally, sure. It takes my entire paycheck at the time, but now I can finally own my own guns, be my own man. Once I get out, I'll have college paid for. And I, and, and I'm going to point out, I know I said, I wanted to be a Marine biologist. I changed that. I don't want to be that shit anymore. What the fuck am I going to do? I. You mean know brain injuries I've sustained in my army career? I said, nah, I'm gonna do something that my dad's doing that looks good and makes a lot of money, and that's I'm gonna go into welding and diesel mechanics because I realize I like working with machines. I like working with my hands. I uh, like I when I when I came to guns, I loved guns because there were these things that I could mess with, that I could tinker with, that I could toy around with. I could do that with a truck. I could do that with with like a, a little bobcat machine or or some sort of excavator or a bulldozer or something. I could do that it be fun. And then if I do welding at the same time, I'm getting more money than my dad is because he's not welding qualified. I would be, I'd be able to fucking weld shit together and, and do all sorts of repairs that a regular mechanic wouldn't be able to not just, you know, replacing parts and whatever I'd be able to like put shit back together and not have to replace the part in the first place. So I was like, you know what? I I look into it and I go to TSTC's website and I start looking and, and this this is where I actually cried for the first time since Afghanistan. I I've never cried so hard. I looked at how much their tuition assistance or like how much their tuition costs were. $500 for a two-year course. $500. $500. And I was in this mind that I needed the army's help. And then my mother talks to me. And you know what she says? FafSA. A Pell Grant. I have never. Oh, my my blood boiled. I, I have never felt so much rage that this entire time I could have spared my innocence, never joined the army, and I would have been okay. I, yeah, that's, that's the first time that I've ever cried since Afghanistan. I, I mean, I've said multiple times, even school,
0: I understand the schooling thing, but there's like, for what, I mean, you you fast and stuff. There are obviously options, but yeah. shit. Like I look back and like, I feel like we're fed this American dream. But, that's what I feel like it is. But it's, if it's, I, if I could have just gotten a fucking job, just a job, just a I, job, I, I, like I could have stayed at home. Like I could have been a fucking waiter or a sitter, but you know what? Like I could have put in the time, put in the effort, you know, work my way up, maybe develop some sort of other skills, whatever. Do, do yeah. other shit. And like for me, I mean, I don't know if it's a masculinity thing, but I just – I don't know if you feel it too, but I felt like yeah. I had to get out. I had to, I had to be my own man. That's go exactly what, do God
1: damn it! That's what it was, man. It was the that I feel like I have to make this decision. I don't want to rely on my parents, and I don't want to have to do these shitty little high school jobs that everybody else had in their junior and senior years. I was like, you know what? Fuck this! I'm gonna go be an independent adult, and me trying to be an independent adult, I've never been more dependent on other people in my life. Mm-hmm. I make twenty three thousand dollars a year, living in the barracks. I do not make enough money that if I were to be living off post and not getting BAH, I don't make enough money that I'd be able to support myself. I'd be broke because of this economy. Uh, that's, it, it, that's, that's just living insurance. My God, car insurance in this town. When I first got here, my insurance jumped up from the $50 it was from living in a tiny little two stoplight, Town in butt fuck nowhere to it's $250 a month. And right when I realized that, that all of a sudden my insurance is really high, I fucking my truck blows a piston. I get rear ended and T bone at the same time because everybody else starts freaking out because I'm all swerving everywhere because I feel like I'm being shot at. Like when you blow a piston, it goes straight through your hood, you feel like you're being shot at. So I'm all swerving around and everything. Total my truck. And I love that truck. That put me $10,000 in the hole. I will never recover from that. And I was just like, fuck, man. I'm not going to be able to get a new vehicle. I'm not going to be able to support myself. I'm going to get out of the army and be broker than I was going in. Now I'm at the point where I'm going to have no choice but to depend on other people again. I'm going to have to go back to my granddad's ranch and help him out just to make ends meet do not going to be wrong. I love my granddad, but I don't want to have to rely on family money. That That's that thing. It's like one of these things that can get ingrained in you. It's like, I think this is why recruiting rates are so high when it comes to the Army is because they they, they somehow convince you that in our society yeah. student loan debts are so high and everybody has $50,000 plus in student loan debts. And if you join the Army we'll forgive up to $30,000 in student loan debts. And then you're like, well if you get a trade skill, a trade certification, a trade degree, something that you can get at a community or technical college, it'll cost you less than a grand in most cases. Literally the only things that you're really spending money on is just to pay the teacher and to buy the equipment that you need. That's it. And, and it's like, did I really fucking need the army for this? Did I did I did I need to sacrifice my 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 soul? Not not just my innocence, my soul. For this? Because it's like we've been fed this fucking lie. And I swear to God, man, it's just, it's just, it is a government lie. It has been propagated throughout our education system, throughout politics, everything. Where it's like you need to depend on the government to do anything. I don't even need FAFSA to get the certification that I want. A $500 course? I, I can pay for that by mowing lawns and cleaning pools. I can pay for that working at my local haunted house, helping them build new sets. I just, I've just i never been so angry, and that's when I really woke up. That's when I really be like, fuck this. I want to completely dismantle this, this system because it does not work.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's the so entire much propaganda population. we're fed during school that leads th- this path. Exactly. We're all convinced we got to go to fucking college for some Unknown fucking reason. I can't tell you how much I wish I had some sort of fucking legit marketable skill. Like, yes, I'm an aircraft exactly. mechanic. Exactly. But like, even then, within the military, the like the way they don't they teach me you everything. Be, yeah, they don't teach me everything. Like the, the skills I've learned as an aircraft mechanic are insanely specialized to where it's okay. like on the outside, it's not really applicable to what they want. Oh and yeah, it's all,
1: you're, you're so, fixing specific aircraft. Like yeah, like like with uh, with 15 Tangos and 15 Romeos, where they're fixing. Blackhawks and Apaches, respectively. When they get out, they're never going to see a helicopter that's like that. Nobody uses Sikorsky S seventies. They're using like Eurocopters. They're using the brand new Sikorskys. They're using the Bells. Nobody, nobody's going to use those airframes. Nobody's using fucking Apaches. Who the fuck has Apaches outside of the army? Nobody, nobody. So they get you used to these airframes, and then you get out. It's like, what the fuck is this? I have never seen wires that look like this. You know sure me i had i'm an air traffic controller but the thing is is that most army air traffic controllers don't get an FAa rating before they hit their their ets their their end of service because it's different when you go from army to actual faa air traffic controllers it's a whole different animal you go from say bigs army airfield where you're dealing with I don't know, 20 helicopters at most for an aeros, excuse me, for an aerosol, or you know, a few fixed wings that are going to do recon and stuff over the Mexican border. It, that doesn't translate to El Paso International Airport. That does not translate to LAX, to JFK, to Bush Intercontinental. You go to one of those 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 airports, you're gonna want to fucking kill yourself. It's that stressful. I thought I had it bad. And then I started talking to real air air traffic controllers that are actually qualified, and I'm like, fuck, I could not deal with that. I could not do it. I have wasted my life on this because I chose this MOS that I thought would help my life, you know, be like a sort of backup, and I'm like, I can't even get an actual FAA license without going through the FAA. It's like Army Medics when they get out, they're not actually medically licensed unless they go to a paramedic school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's, that's one of the things that pisses me off is you spend all this time on the skill. And these are your two options. You spend even more money to go to college. Do you actually become say a paramedic? If you were a medic in the army or an actual air traffic controller or an actual helicopter mechanic or an actual vehicle mechanic, or You just sign on the dotted line for another four, five, six, seven, eight years. Oh, we'll throw in these all these these sweet little incentives. We'll give you a $5,000 bonus. We'll send you to Japan if you want. You want to go to Japan? You want to see your little anime girlfriends? Or you want to go to Germany and get that real good beer? They throw in these little things to to reel you back in on the fishing line. It's all bait. Mm. All of it. It's all bait. The entire fucking system is rigged because the education system is in on it. The college board, they want that sweet government money, man. It's everywhere you turn. You're you're convinced that you need these minimum four-year degrees. You don't. Nobody wants to hire a four-year degree with gender studies. Even if fucking McDonald's, they don't want your ass. They're going to hire little high school kids that need a new job because they'll work better. Yeah, it's fuck man
0: yeah no and i can tell you as someone who's been in for 11 years that the longer you stay in the harder it is to get out because like i yeah like, I, like you were saying you don't That's get paid well I get, I get fucking paid well
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah my dad was in 11 years but the problem was is that he was an idiot mike and everybody was an idiot mike then so he couldn't get past e4 he was mm-hmm. stuck as a specialist for his entire career because promotion points were 798 all the time yeah, I'm an E6. <laughs> yeah, he only made it to E4. Yeah. And God, it, it, it made him so mad. And he gets out and goes to the reserves because he is like, you know, I don't know. I need to keep myself in shape. I don't want to get depressed and all that. So he goes to the reserves. The rest of the family picks up and moves back to the greater Houston area. But he's still stuck in El Paso with his reserves unit. And I've never – I, I that, that was one of the lowest points in his life, I could tell, because he got – tricked into signing the dotted line again because my dad's had a pretty fucked up childhood and he's had to live on the streets raising his little brother because of his both of his parents died before he was even 16 so he had to raise his siblings and then it's like he keeps getting drawn back in and drawn back in because his brother his baby brother he was fully brainwashed my my uncle david is still in the United States Army. He is one of the schoolhouse uh, master. He's one of the schoolhouse NCOs for Fort Sam Houston because he's an army nurse. He's a 68 Charlie. He's one of the schoolhouse teachers. He's 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 been fully brainwashed. He's did all the all the all the cool shit. All the 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 airborne the aerosol. He was in Hawaii. He went with the 82nd as well. He did all the fun shit. And then my dad is like, I cannot believe that I let this happen to my brother that he's gotten to the point where there's no way out for him unless he retires. But me, I'm trying to get out, but I can't because I still need this government money because I've been blown the fuck up. I've had this massive concussion that made me blind for five days and I didn't even get a purple heart for it. And that was his entire thing was, is that like, he still needed medical coverage. That is the primary reason that he stayed in the reserves was because he needed medical insurance because our family could not afford medical insurance another part of the institution we could not afford medical assur- insurance and he was he was he was stuck he he had no choice because he had, had this massive concussion that like i said left him blind and deaf for 5 days that's how bad it could be because what happened when he was in, in Kuwait, he was on a convoy escorting diplomats to the Iraq border. And they rolled over a super old mine from the first Gulf War. Like they didn't even know that mine was there. They had no idea. And it flipped his truck completely on its back. He was in the turret and he was pinned under that truck for 12 hours. His entire body being crushed, but mostly his head and his back. And when they pulled the truck off of him with the wreckers, it, it, it took two wreckers. Not just one. It took two of them to get that truck off of him because his TC and driver were assholes and didn't pull him back in when they started rolling over. And he thinks that he's blind. Like, he genuinely believes that his head has been busted up so bad that he'll never see again. He didn't realize that once the swelling go down, he'll see again. But after that, now he's got permanent astigmatism in his eyes. His vision is 2060. His hearing, like... I swear to god the dude is almost deaf at this point like I can't uh, growing up I was a bit of a mumbler you know I I was really nervous around him because when he first met my mother I wasn't sure what to think of him so I was always really quiet even now I'm still a little, little bit of a mumbler around him even though I love the guy like sometimes I feel a little nervous around him because I know how intense of a man he is and it's like he can't ever hear me sometimes it's it's and that's that's that that's the shit, and that he he gets out finally after doing that little stint in in the reserves to get his medical treatment to fully recover from his concussion, and the VA they give him a thirty five percent after he almost broke his back and was ble- blind for five days, and they give him a thirty five percent rating, thirty five percent, no Purple Heart, no permanent disability that really affects his life no stipend nothing just uh thank you for your service get fucked
0: yeah i mean that's like one thing i've been thinking through this like the past like i don't know five ten minutes that it's like one of those things like for especially me and you and him it's like you know if something seems too good to be true a lot of times it's because it is and (laughs) military service is very much one of those things or service you know, know i hate fucking i hate that fucking term so much but, uh, like
1: but, we got, I went to get lunch today. Me and my coworkers, we we're like, it's a Friday. We're going to take off early today. We go all the way out to, uh, God, what was it called? It was like, it was, it was some barbecue restaurant that had been featured on Guy Fieri's uh, DDD show. We go all the way out there, and there's like three different people that are like thanking us for our service. One dude buys our entire, like, $50 meal for us. I that shit. And I And I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to respond to this? I don't want to say thank you to this. Because if I had realized three and a half years ago what I was signing up for, I wouldn't have fucking done it. And, and I was like, I can't say thank you. I don't want to say thank you. Yeah, I it's like they're so naive, they don't realize it's it's, it's like they're all still a part of this this system that they've been all the whole country's been brainwashed into. They don't realize that we're just another part. Of the, of, of the system. We're another cog in the machine. It's like, I don't want to thank them. But I, I, I came up with this little idea and it's kind of been working out. And I guess, I, I think it kind of fits. And so now, anytime that somebody tells me, thank you for your service, sure, I'll buckle up for a little bit and 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 I'll have to hold myself back. But then I'll just say, thank you for your support thank you for your support. And I was like, that's all I really wanted was the support. Mm. Sure, they don't realize exactly what the meaning of what they're saying is at the moment. They don't quite understand the connotations of quote-unquote serving. But it is the thought that counts, I guess. But it's, 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 sometimes you have, you have to really judge the person as to whether or not they, they're, they're saying it sort of half-assed or they really mean it. Like that guy that bought us lunch, I could tell that he meant it, but I also knew that he wasn't military at all, and he didn't really understand. So I felt like, thank God at least somebody cares a little bit, because obviously our fucking government doesn't. So it was just a simple thank you for your support.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, I fucking hate the Thank you for your and, 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 too. I and, usually it, just give is, a smile, grunt, head nod. Like I try my best to just like ignore it. Cause it's like, I don't want to open up this dialogue at the same time. It's like, you don't want to reinforce it, you know, like, but I also don't want to be an asshole. Like it is like, yeah. what, what What do you do? But, uh, I, I think it's a good spot where pro- I want to, I want to finish out in this last question. What would you tell someone thinking about joining? What would you be your message to them?
1: I, I would tell them, first of all, no fuck off. Don't do it. But I would delve into it and I would say, you don't really understand what it means to sign your life away. And it is. It is your entire life. You belong to the army. You belong to the uniform code of military justice. The slightest fuck up. And you get rank taken away. You get pay taken away. You you have no freedom. You think, you know, you, you know once you're off duty, oh, I got all these freedoms. Once I get out of basic training, oh, I can do whatever the fuck I want. No! You still can't. There's things you can't say. There's things you're not allowed to believe. And now, now in, in the modern army culture, my God, with the, the extremist training. It's 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 I feel like they're just completely ignoring what's going on in our society and everybody's always focused on the capital protest. I'm calling it a protest. Fuck you, it's a protest. That wasn't an insurrection, it was a protest. A few people walked in. They walked in, they were let in. And they shot a woman in the neck, blindly firing. A cop died of a heart attack that he was going to have anyways. Okay, so so it, 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 and and they're they're using this and as, as an excuse to further stuff like critical race theory and more support for uh, Black Lives Matter and for Antifa and these these these. Tommy fucks that are taking over our society so I say if you join know that you're joining the military of a government that is essentially trying to usher in the new apartheid this, this country is slowly but surely becoming apartheid and communist sure you can call me crazy but that's what it's coming to I have people that have seen it before and they are telling me this is the road that we're going down More and more authoritarianism. So if you join the military, understand that you are joining the fighting force and you will be subject to the orders of a government that does not care about its civilians, of its citizens, but only of its own interests. Mm -hmm. Understand that if you decide to sign on that dotted line, you will no longer own yourself. Somebody else will own you, and that person will make ten times more money than you for sitting on their ass and taking away your rights. Mm -hmm understand that. Yeah. And I actually think, I think my big thing I've been talking
0: about lately is I think like um, partially me getting out is I've said multiple times that it's a lot of it comes from selfishness because I think we're due for yeah. a collapse. I don't yeah. know if it's going to be with the next couple of years, if it's going to be next 10, whatever, but I have no idea and I need to prepare accordingly. And I think when a collapse occurs, the worst thing to be is to be reliant on that thing that is collapsing. And mm-hmm. sure, if you are a government employee, you'll probably be a little bit better off than some of the other people that are relying yeah, at, at on you. but you're start, still not going to do so well.
1: <laughs> no, because look at me, like, sure, if a collapse happens right now and I manage to somehow get out, don't get me wrong, I've got I've got an M4 with 210 rounds of ammunition, full body armor, and a helmet, sure, I'll think that I'm okay. And these Humvees, everybody knows Humvees don't have keys, the only keys there are for the steering wheel locks. And you can just take a fucking bolt cutter to that. So I get to thinking, oh, yeah, I'll be a, I'll be okay. And I realize it's like, I won't be able to sustain myself. I'll be nothing without these people around me. And I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to depend on other people. And that's what makes me, uh, I guess, uh, a minarchist or an uh, ANCAP. I still can't really judge what my political leading Mm -hmm. is, but it's, it's what makes me the selfish person that I am. Mm -hmm. I don't want to depend on other people and I don't want other people to depend on me. I want to be able to live my life the way that I want to live it Mm -hmm. completely free of other people. Well, with that, do you have any plugs?
0: Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if you want to plug your Twitter handle or anything like that.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, plug my Twitter handle here. It's at Fennec underscore overlord. It's uh, Be prepared. If you decide to go and follow that, you're going to deal with a lot of uh, furry degeneracy and uh, (laughs) a lot of ranting about guns and commies and shit like that. Sometimes I'll stop taking my meds that I don't have. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So that's my Twitter. Um, And uh, I want to give a shout out to my dad, Jesse. I love you. And if you ever watch this, I'm sorry. You were right. And I should have listened to you. I should have either not joined or joined the Air Force or something. So shout out to my dad, Jesse. I
0: would I would definitely not say the Air Force. If anything, the Air Force would be because, like, oh like I said, I, said I did, it did 11 years. Oh, if God. Any, if anything, it kind of like because I didn't have a combat job and, and the conditions were more cushy, it kind of draws you in more. And here I am at 11 years being like, I can't fucking do this. You know what yeah. I mean? And so. I mean, at least for you, I mean, don't get me wrong. I didn't, I didn't, I never had to kill anyone, but on the other hand, you're getting out and you're honestly in a much better position than I am getting out because I have a wife, two kids, a house, you know, fucking like not much marketable skills.
1: (laughs) I know. I mean, I just got me, myself and I Mm -hmm. and whatever I can carry, I guess. And then I'll, I'll admit I'm a bit privileged. I did mm. have a grand I did have my grandpa's ranch to grow up on. You know, I I, I do have things waiting for me when I get out. Mm. And not everybody's gonna get that chance.
0: Yeah. Well, with that, you can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. I'm also just finding where audio podcasts are at. You can contact me at the Liberty Movement Global at gmail.com. Like I've said before, and I've mentioned money's getting ready to be tight here soon. So patreon.com slash no way jose twenty twenty, or you can give me crypto at and the like, share, subscribe. Like, even just something as simple as that will very much help me grow the channel. Um, almost to 300 subs. I really want to get 300 subs. That way, I can uh, sync my channel up to Odyssey, and that'd be fucking awesome. But that, dude, it's been really fucking awesome. I think it's been a really powerful episode. I'm gonna try to shop this around to like everyone I can because I want to. I, I would love for like you know, oh, Scott yeah. Horton, Shane Hazel oh, yeah. to like. I mean, fuck. I mean, if you if you be uh, you know be up to it like going on their shows and shit because I do think yeah. you have a powerful message to be had Absolutely. you know I mean don't get so. me wrong
1: I mean all of June I'm going to be on leave because I fucking need it mm-hmm. I know yeah sure I'm going on terminal leave in August but I'm also to use the rest of my leave too so yeah mm-hmm. I'm going to be on vacation uh, next whole month so I don't know how available I'll be but uh, yeah I would definitely be up for it I would yeah. 100% love to get into something like that
0: yeah well Scott Horton or Shane Hazel fucking call you answer <laughs>
1: Oh, sure. Oh, sure.
0: <laughs> all right, oh, I'll just sure. fuck around. You know what I mean. <laughs> but all right, I really appreciate you. This has been awesome. I'm sure we'll talk again at some point. Uh, and with that, that's it. Deuces. Bye. Have a Bye. good one.